Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Well, hello, Ginghamsburg family. You know, uh, when I was in college, I worked for ODOT, the Ohio Department of Transportation. I was a summer flagger, and yes, I got an incredible tan. It was awesome. Well, one particular summer, my very last summer working for ODOT, on my very last day, I was put on trash detail, which meant I pretty much got to drive the entire county, but they wouldn't let me go by myself. I had to take another summer student with me. And we called this guy Gizmo. Now, Gizmo was quiet, he was a little bit crazy, and he liked to smoke a lot of pot. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I was excited that at least I had someone to talk to, and talk to Gizmo I did. We were talking all, well, mostly I was talking throughout the entire county, and we drove by the little country church that I was a part of, and I said, hey, Gizmo, that's my church. And he got quiet. I was like, oh, let me explain. I'm the pastor at that church. And he looked at me, and he looked at the church, and he looked at me, and he looked at the church, and then he said, pastor, I didn't even know you were a Christian. Now, how much pot had you been smoking that day, son? Right? Like, I was like, come on. Yeah, I didn't even know you were a Christian. Those words, they like cut me like a knife. You know what he was saying? I don't see the Jesus in you, Rachel. I didn't even know you had faith. So here I was, a pastor of a little country church. And this dude didn't even know I followed Jesus. Maybe just maybe I had gotten caught up in following Jesus as saying a little prayer or Or maybe even proclaiming it with my mouth, but certainly I was not living out loud every day with my life. Maybe just maybe that's you. The New Testament is full of folk who want to follow Jesus. They're desperate to follow Jesus. But as life gets hard, as the challenges come their way, as they are tempted, they find themselves warmed by the enemy's fire. That's Peter. Peter is a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is the kind of guy that like speaks first and then thinks later. He is fire, ready, aim. He's always getting himself in trouble. And yet he loves Jesus. But in today's story, he gets himself in a particular situation. So let's open our Bibles and our Bible apps to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. But before we dive into scripture, let's pray. Lord God, we are terribly human. (laughs) Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we want to follow you, we want to proclaim you with our lives. And yet it's just lip service. So God, here we are with a hunger, a desire to be your disciple. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Meet us here in the same way that you met Peter. Pray this and we claim this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Luke's gospel, chapter 22, beginning with verse 54. They seized him, that is Jesus, and they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. 
Peter followed at a distance. When some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with them, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw and said, uh, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. It's one of the most poignant stories in the New Testament. Here's Peter, a disciple of Jesus, and not just one of the 12. I mean, he's part of the inner circle, one of Jesus's big three. I mean, Peter is the kind of disciple that's so close to Jesus that sometimes he kind of hinges on being arrogant about it. Like, Jesus invites him up on a mountain, and there when he's with Peter, James, and John, Jesus kind of glows in Luke chapter 9. Or when Jesus is walking on water, Peter looks at what Jesus is doing and says, Jesus, I want to try that. Jesus says, come on. And so at first Peter does it, and it's amazing. He's walking on water, and then he gets a little doubt, and he starts to sink. That's in Mark chapter 14. Or that moment where Peter just really gets it. Jesus says, "Uh, who are people saying that I am? Some Elijah, some another prophet. What about you? And Peter says, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus says the right answer. It's Matthew 16, 16. Peter is one of Jesus's closest friends. So when Jesus is taken by authorities, Peter wants to follow. I mean, he does follow. I want you to pay attention to that. Yes, it's at a distance, but he actually has the courage to follow, to figure out what exactly is going to happen to Jesus. That courage, short-lived. Peter goes to the courtyard, the house of the high priest, and someone has built a fire, and Peter decides, well, I'm just going to get a little closer. Go in. See what's happening here. I imagine that it might be chilly, you know, not like this ridiculousness of snow that we have today, but whatever, you know. Supposedly it's spring today, I don't know. I dressed for it, and then I had to put on a stinking coat. I hate that. Anybody else with me on that? (laughs) Yeah, all of us. Right? He needs the fire. He warms himself by the fire. Maybe just maybe he's trying to blend into the crowd. Not wanting to make a scene, not wanting to be caught, but just getting close enough so we can hear what's being said. Perhaps you too have found yourself warmed by the enemy's fire. You want in on the action, you just don't want to get caught. Want to listen to the latest gossip, the news? So you get a little closer. Here's what I know about Peter, you, and I. Temptation comes when we're tired. The tired are tempted. Say that with me. The tired are tempted. Peter was tired. Not only after three years of the highs and lows of ministry with Jesus, I mean, it must have been incredible, but also because of the Passover meal. I mean, this is a huge meal. And then after that huge meal, they go and they hang out at the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus asked Peter to pull an all-nighter. And Peter, well, he can't. He's tired. He keeps falling asleep. 
Maybe today you find yourself tired. In fact, I wonder, what is it that's making you tired right now? I mean, we've been through a season, pandemics, politics, racial tensions, crazy invasions, let alone regular everyday life. Why are you tired? I've got this screen with people. This is so exciting, right? I can actually see what you're saying and everything. So put in the chat right here. Why are you tired? What's making you tired today? Tired or tempted? About a month ago, I had to come face to face with the reality that I was pretty tired. I was on my way to Pensacola Beach, Florida. I was there to do some message planning. I love this. People are starting to give their answers. I was on my way to do some message planning and, and I got to the airport. It was a Sunday morning. I was going to get to the beach. I was supposed to be there by noon. I was going to be sunning myself by one o'clock, right? Nope. I get to the airport and I'm delayed and not by a few minutes or a few hours, by eight hours. And I do what any reasonable human would do. I went to the ticket counter to see if I could like smooth my way into a different flight. Because brothers and sisters, I was getting pretty ticked off. Now, usually I'm really calm. I mean, through all the stuff that I've been through, staff transitions, crazy politics, pandemic, mask or no mask, you know, I've been relatively calm and centered because of the grace of God and this incredible community of faith. But not that day. No, 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 no. Not that day. No, I went to the ticket counter and I got an attitude with the person behind the counter. I never get an attitude, and I got an attitude, and I could just feel myself getting angrier and angrier. And brothers and sisters, when I get really angry, I start to tear up. And guess what? I don't like to cry in front of people, so I was even more angry. Anybody feel me on that, right? I'm just losing my stuff, and I'm like, okay, Rachel, she's not going to get you on a different flight because there are no other options. This is Dayton, Ohio. There are so many limited options. So I was like, okay. I saw a restroom, and I went to the restroom, and I took a deep breath, and I was like, okay get it together. So I called my husband, John. I said, turn around. I'm not going to stay in this airport for like eight hours. I'm going to go to church because I need to go to church, right? And so I go home and I'm fixing breakfast. And suddenly I was like, what on earth was that? Rachel, you almost went TMZ on that lady behind the counter. What on earth was going on inside of you? And that's when I got honest with myself. You are tired. Not the kind of tired where you take a 20-minute power nap and you're good to go. The kind of tired where your soul needs some stinking rest. Anybody else feel me on this? We are tired. And when we are tired, we are tempted. The tempted or the tired are very much tempted. Now, perhaps you have a story like mine. Maybe, just maybe, today, like you have laid into your spouse, yelled at your kids. Maybe this week you, you laid into a coworker, like went all crazy on someone on social media. This is not what you typically do, but you just let it loose. Because when we are tired, we are tempted to take shortcuts. When we are tired, we're tempted to do that one more thing. When we are tired, we're tempted, we're tempted to ignore the depression, suppress the anxiety. Grab for those extra carbohydrates. I know I'm talking to somebody here today, right? <laughs> drink that extra drink, pop that extra pill. And all the while, when we wake up the next morning, we feel like trash. Because they're never going to fulfill what's really going on inside of us. Tired are tempted. 
Peter's tired. He is really, really tired, and he is absolutely tempted. Now, I want to linger here for a moment. Because when we are tired like this, not like 20-minute power nap tired, but we actually have to care for our souls. Sometimes we call that self-care. You know, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as your what? That means you got to love yourself. Got to put on your own oxygen mask before you put someone else's on. Because if you don't, at best, you're going to pass out, funk, right? And at worst, you're going to die. And then you can't help your neighbor anyhow. Now, I want to make a distinction between self-care and self-indulgence. Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves that we can become self-indulgent. It's all about us and the things that we do actually don't feed our soul. So let's make a distinction. About a few weeks ago, Pastor Fitz and I were meeting together and he looked at me and he said, Pastor Rachel, how have you made it through all this crazy, right? (laughs) And I said four things. Four things. Well, first thing, Jesus. Come on, let's just be honest. But the other four are this. I've learned to lead myself. You got to lead yourself well. What does it look like for you to lead yourself every single day? These daily rhythms that keep you focused on Jesus, loving God and loving other people as yourself. For me, it's prayer and Bible reading and exercise and weightlifting and drinking plenty of water and and going on retreat. Now, I want to say something about that. You know, I used to be able to go on retreat for like one day and I was like totally rejuvenated. But after one day, I'm like, nope, nope, still need time with Jesus. Because this season has been hard. And I just have to spend even more time with the Lord. Now, I have this kind of list, and some of you may be hearing all those things and saying, I'm not doing any of those things. Where do I start? Well, let me give you two answers to that. Start either with prayer or reading the Bible. Let one of those become a keystone habit, because when you engage in a keystone habit, doing it every single day, it shapes you from the inside out. And I believe spiritual discipline breeds other spiritual discipline. That's how it works. And so this like rhythm of life, these things that you do keep you grounded and centered, you start leading yourself. Number two, hang out with people who build you up. I have all these folks in my life, particularly I have this life group, what we call a covenant group of clergy women, Pastor Sarah, Pastor Jen, Pastor Marie. We've been together for 10 years. We meet every other week on Zoom and they are the lifeblood in my life. But not just them. I have all of these pastor colleagues from across the country. Just this morning, I get a text from Dwayne Anders. Every Sunday morning, I'm on this feed with Dwayne Anders and Magreta Vega and Matt Miofsky. And he has all these feeds across the country that he's doing. He's always praying for us. Adam Hamilton, Papa Mike, Mindy Moore, Matt Rawl, all these folks in my life who are encouraging me and I am encouraging them all along the way. Who's that for you? Do you have a group of people that you do life with who are a source of encouragement for you, who are building you up? Number three, do you have a life coach, a leadership coach, a spiritual mentor in your life? I have a leadership coach. Her name is Ellen Fowler, and Ellen is able to speak the truth and love to me. She'll say to me, Rachel, this is exactly what you're doing. And I'll be like, yeah, Ellen, you're right. You're right. Who is that in your life? Now, you can be doing all of those things, all of those things, and still nearly 
cuss out the person behind the ticket counter, right? It is totally possible. So this fourth thing I think is really, really important, and it's certainly important for me. I've discovered that I need to dig deep and seek a counselor, mental health professional. In the church world, we call this like digging deep sanctification, allowing the Holy Spirit to heal us from the inside out because we got stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got stuff. I know a few of you like hit your spouse and you're like, yeah, you do. <laughs> right? We got stuff. We got stuff that if we just ignore and ignore and ignore, we will never be fully healed. Can I get an amen? Work on your stuff. Now, some of you hear that list and you're like, oh, that's overwhelming, Pastor Rachel. Uh, What do I even do? Brothers and sisters, just start with one thing. And when you look at that one thing, make a distinction between self-care and self-indulgence. I just want to give you three very simple questions to ask yourself. When I'm doing this thing, does it make me feel good, right? Is it good? How are you feeling while you're doing it? Are you affirmed or ashamed? Does it make you feel like trash the next day? Because it's probably not good if it makes you feel like trash. Is it good? Second, is it kind? Is it helping you love your mind, heart, soul, body, and strength? And number three, is it sustainable? Can you actually just keep doing it? You know, I have a lot of people say to me, well, I want to get up every morning and be in the Word for an entire hour. Brother and sister, why don't you just start with five minutes? Five minutes, that's it, right? Start with five minutes and then work your way to an hour because if you start with an hour, you'll do it for two days and then you'll quit. <laughs> start where you are. Is it good? Is it kind? Is it sustainable? Say those with me. Is it good? Is it kind? Is it sustainable? When you are tired, you've got to take care of yourself. You got to do that soul work because Peter, well, guess what? He didn't do it. He didn't do the soul work that he needed to do. And soon the temptation followed. Verse 56, a serving girl saw him seated there in the firelight and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I didn't know him, he said. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, he asserted, certainly this man was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. I imagine many of you listening today kind of feel like, Peter, you're at a crossroads of sorts. Peter is that kind of bold, boisterous leader who speaks first and thinks later. And here he is in a a peculiar situation. Now think about who Peter truly is. Here's this guy who is one of Jesus' spokespeople. And I kind of imagine if Jesus or if Peter was living today, he would have been on social media doing all kinds of hashtags. Hashtags, I love Jesus. Hashtags, if you know, you know. Hashtag, love him or leave him. All those kinds of things. Peter is the kind of guy that would have been at the center of the crowd. So when Jesus is preaching along the countryside, yeah, people know who Peter is. Or maybe just maybe he can't help himself when he's warming himself by the enemy's fire. He opens his mouth and they recognize his Galilean accent. So there he is, warming himself by the fire. 
And he has a choice to make. Claim his affiliation with Jesus of Nazareth or deny that identity. Deny the friendship. Deny that he's even a part of those people. What does Peter do? He denies. He denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And I want you to notice in the scripture, there are two triggers that wake Peter up to his denial. The verse Jesus named ahead of time, verse 34, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. It's the rooster. It's the rooster. The rooster wakes Peter up. But, but it's not only the rooster, it's also the look. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. It's the look. Anybody ever had someone giving them the look? A parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach. All they have to do is look at you and you know, oh man, I'm in trouble. Peter has been looked at by Jesus, not to shame him, not to make him feel guilty, but to remind him of who he is. Peter, this is not you. You have an identity in me. And yet in that moment, Peter does it not once, not twice, but three times. Mm. Now, I also want you to notice something about the character of Jesus. Jesus came from heaven to earth to redeem, restore all of creation. Not only Peter, but the slave girl and the two men and everybody else in that entire stinking crowd. Jesus is there to redeem and restore them all. Jesus is getting ready to get on that cross and give his life for you and me and the whole wide world so that we can experience the power of forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, there is power in forgiveness. You know, close to the end of John's gospel, Peter is out fishing with the other disciples, minding their own business. When suddenly they notice this figure along the shoreline and all the figure has to do is kind of call out their name and Peter realizes it's the Lord. And so remember, Peter is like move and without thinking, he jumps into the water and he swims through the shoreline. And what's Jesus doing? He's cooking fish over a what? Fire. You see how God works this out? So I imagine the moment that, that Peter steps onto that shoreline, he smells the fire. Anybody else know that smells like trigger memories? He's triggered. Shame, guilt, pain, it's the fire. And Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He asked Peter to sit down and have breakfast with him. And as he's having breakfast with Peter, he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course I do. Then feed my sheep. But he doesn't just do it once. No, he does it three times. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Feed my lambs. Peter, are you sure that you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus looks at Peter and restores and forgives and redeems a man who has disowned him three times. I mean, Jesus, why on earth would you do that? Because Jesus has made a promise to Peter earlier in their relationship. He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, 
You are, you are to be called Peter. And on this rock, that's what Peter means. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell, will not prevail against it. Come on, Jesus. He's a denier. He's a disowner. He should be completely disqualified for leadership in the church. I mean, isn't that how we act? You got to be like good. You got to have your nose clean. You can't be human. If you're ever going to serve in the church. And yet Jesus gives us a very different picture. Being part of the body of Christ, leading the body of Christ is not about failing. Because brothers and sisters, let me tell you, every single person is going to fail. Can I get an amen? It's about having the grace to get back up. In his book, Passion and Power, Sam Wells, vicar of St. Martin's in the Field in central London, wrote, whatever politics the church is founded on, it's clearly not an authority that never makes mistakes. Here at Ginghamsburg, we're not just a church of second chances. We're a church of 17 chances. We believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can work in your life to redeem and restore you, to help you get back up again and again and again. Does God want to leave you in your mess? No. Never. God wants to take your mess and turn it into a miracle. Because you have a story that's worth sharing. So I wonder this morning, anybody warming themselves by the enemy's fire? Anybody tired? Anybody face to face with temptation? Maybe just maybe this morning, you need to receive Christ's love and forgiveness. You need to hear, I love you. I love you. I love you. We're going to pray a simple prayer of confession together. For some of you, this may be the first time you pray a prayer like this. For others of you, it's the 50th time. Brothers and sisters, we need it again and again and again and again. Whatever the case, open your heart, your head, and your whole body to receive God's love and grace. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, Like Peter, I've denied you with my life. I felt too far away. I've lost my passion. I've been tired. Forgive me for staying down. Help me to stand. Strengthen me to step into my purpose. Jesus, I want to follow you to find my place in your heart once again. Amen. Friends, it's amazing. I don't think prayers like that are magic. But prayers like that open ourselves up to the work of God in our hearts and in our minds. And when we are open, when we surrender, when we confess, God can do a supernatural work in us. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, You can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.